0: Pastor Xavier Reese and a Simple Truths message of honoring God with obedience.
1: The message of the Lord to Moses is a reminder to each of us of the clarity of God's word that we are to obey by faith. Don't be unequally yoked, with the death the works of the flesh. Trust me, obey me, that your light will shine and men may see God and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Very simple, very straightforward. We need to obey Him.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that Christians are the only Bible some people will ever have a chance to read. The simple truth is, there are some Christians who lead very spiritually uplifting lives, who draw non-believers to their faith. Unfortunately, the reverse is also true in many cases, and that's why God took it as a serious matter when Moses set a poor example of the heart of God. Pastor Xavier continues now a simple truth study titled, The Sins of Moses.
1: Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. Now God has told Moses to speak to the rock at Horeb in order to satisfy the children of Israel's thirst. As God would bring forth water out of the rock, But instead, Moses chose to strike the rock. The account is an object lesson for all, and for all to understand that there is no person who is exempt from the accountability to God for one's actions and the consequence of sin due to those actions. No, not even Moses. No one is exempt. The problem was that there was no water for the congregation. Verse 4, the same old-fashioned accusation was declared to Moses for all these years. Why have you brought us up, this congregation of the Lord, into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here? The proper response of Moses and Aaron is exemplary. In verse 6, Moses and Aaron, they went in the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Notice first of all, they turned from the presence of the people to the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. What a good example. Whenever people start coming against you or you hear things, you need to turn from them, listen to them, them, and then go before the Lord. Because if you come asking, He will not turn you away. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and abradeth not to man who asks. Notice secondly in verses 7 and 8, we get the message of the Lord to Moses. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, and gather the assembly together. Notice the particular task of Moses. It was to speak to the rock before their eyes in verse 8. He was just to speak to the rock, that's all. The promise was that the rock would yield its water. It will yield. So the certainty was assured by God, it will yield. But secondly, the content would quench the thirst of the people. It's water. Interesting that through the Scriptures, water is portrayed and symbolic of the Word many times. John 15, 3 said, Jesus to His disciples, I have cleansed you by the Word. You are clean by the words I have spoken unto you. Ephesians 5, 26, He will present to Himself a church, a bride without spot, wrinkle, any such thing by the washing of the water, by the Word. The Word, it cleanses you. It quenches your thirst but it just cleans you and brings you before God. Notice still in verse 8, the personal compassion of Moses was to be an extension of God. You see, he says, thus you shall bring forth water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. The personal compassion of Moses was to be an extension of God. It was God who was giving, but Moses was the instrument. And whatever I do, is to be judged as an extension of God to this dying world. So when people know I'm a Christian, they can look to me and say, oh, that's what your God is like. Ooh, have you ever thought about that? (laughs) Aren't we called Christians? Christ-like? He was to bring water for them out of the rock and give them drink to the congregation. And then equally, he was to give drink to the animals. How often we feel that God is not concerned about our needs? And didn't Jesus speak on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, you know, of the birds of the air, you know, what I mean, I take care of them, and they're not out there building barns and storing up for the winter. I take care of them. Of how much more value are you than they? Look at the lilies of the field. They're neither toil nor spin, and yet Solomon in all his glory cannot be arrayed with the beauty of one of these things. Have you ever looked at a flower petal, take it off and just look at it, how fine and how delicate and just the intricacy of it? I mean, you can put water and water doesn't go through it and yet it tears so easy (laughs) the manufacturers of man look at it and they eat their heart out and yet God lets them wither get some more no big deal he says how much more value are you than they Our legitimate needs this morning you sit here clothed and sane I presume (laughs) to who do you owe that to to the goodness of God most of us came in a car, nice and warm in here. Pews aren't that hard. I think he's gone way beyond our legitimate needs, don't you think? The message of the Lord to Moses is a reminder to each of us of the clarity of God's Word that we are to obey by faith. Very clear, very straightforward. Don't be unequally yoked. Put to death the works of the flesh. Trust me. Obey me. Let your light so shine that men may see God and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Very simple, very straightforward. We need to obey them. But notice third and last, we have the misrepresentation of God by Moses, verses 9 through 13. The first thing I want to point out to you is The perspective of Moses was manifested in his actions. The perspective of Moses was manifested in his actions. Sooner or later, your attitude will be manifested in your actions. You can kind of keep it under for a while, but sooner or later, it will be worked out. Notice Moses appeared to be obedient in verse 9 and the beginning of verse 10. Moses took up the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him in verse 9. Looks good so far. Obedient. Now, the rod could have been the rod of Moses. The rod could also have been or referred to here to the rod of Aaron, who was a high priest, and it was placed in the Ark of the Covenant because it says there, before the Lord, in verse 9. We just don't know. But if the rod was not the rod of Moses, which really represented the law that judged man, and made him guilty before God. Then it was the rod of Aaron, which was symbolic of the grace of God to come, symbolic of the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he caused the rod to bud and to bring forth almonds. What a beautiful type that the law could not quench man's thirst. All the law could do is condemn man. The New Testament confirms that. You're guilty before God. But the rod of Aaron, which was symbolic of the priesthood of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, by which all of mankind would be able to have their thirst quenched spiritually, was the one that was to strike the rock and to give them water to drink. What a beautiful symbol. So I prefer the rod of Aaron, though we cannot be absolutely certain, though we do have a key in verse 9, it was before the Lord. In chapter 17, already told us to put it in the testimony of the Lord. Jesus said in John 7, 38, 39, in that great day, the last day of the great feast, when they brought in water from the Pool of Siloam and then dumped it on the courtyard there every day to represent God's faithfulness of providing water in the wilderness. But in the last day, they would not bring water forth. And, they, and it was in that last day, when they did not pour water, that they were proclaiming that no longer did they need water, for they were in the promised land. It was in that day that Jesus stood to his feet and he cried out and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. And out of his innermost being shall gush forth torrents of living water. And John gives us the commentary years afterwards. In this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was not given yet to the church because Jesus was not yet glorified. What a tremendous symbol. And so. It is only the Spirit of God that can quench your thirst. Look around us and see the hunger and the thirst in men and women's lives spiritually, and they're going after all kinds of things, palm reading, the New Age, crystals, astrology, all kinds of things, sex, alcohol, whatever. There's a void purposely put within, as Romans 8 tells us, by God, that it be filled with a person of Christ. Until it is filled with the person of Christ, there is a spiritual void that will try to be filled by all kinds of experiences. But every one of them will come to an end. And at the end, it says, empty. Only the Spirit of God can quench your thirst. Let him who hears come and take of the waters of life freely. The book of Revelation finishes. Whoever is thirsty... Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock there in verse 10, the first portion. And they said, as they stood there, they were standing before God. Now, you remember Jesus in Matthew 21, 44 said, Whoever falls on this rock will be broken, but on whoever the rock falls, it will grind him to powder. They're standing before God, as I'm going to show you. And if you fall upon that rock, then you will be broken, humbled. God can deal with you. But if you don't and you stand in your pride, then that rock will fall upon you and you will be ground to powder. And you will be able to do nothing. That's what Jesus was saying. Moses appeared to be angry with the people. He was doing good to this point. Obedient. His words were insulting because of their contention. Hear now, you rebels. (laughs) He brought attention and glory to himself and Aaron instead of God. God. Listen to his words. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Must we bring water to you out of this rock? Moses, you were doing so well. And he lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock twice. You see, Moses appeared to be representing God, as far as the people were concerned. So, In verse 11, the water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. You see, the only one that knew that Moses was disobedient was Moses, Aaron, and the Lord. The people didn't know. And so God was not going to punish the people for Moses. So what did He do? He gave them water abundantly, and He gave drink to the congregation and the animals. The personal accountability of Moses was to the Lord. Don't miss that. Verses 12 through 13. First, God proclaimed the sin of Moses and Aaron, which the people were completely ignorant about. What was it? They did not believe what God told them, evident by their disobedience. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me. Because you did not believe me. You see, God says, I want you to trust me for your husband. I know he doesn't know me. I know things are hectic, but I want you to trust me for your husband. You entrust him to me. I want you to entrust your children to me. I want you to trust me for that difficulty that you can't handle. I want you to forgive. I don't care how you feel. I want you to forgive and depend upon me. And he speaks very clear. Very simple. They did not believe God for what I had told them to do. Evident by their disobedience. But secondly, they did not hollow, honor, or sanctify God. That's what the word means. In an accurate and clear way before the eyes of the children of Israel. To hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. They didn't believe and they didn't represent God properly. God was represented as being mad and insulting. The children of Israel didn't know anything. They were thirsty. They made their petition. Granted, maybe not in the best attitude, but I don't read anything in the text that God was mad at the children of Israel for it. But I do read that Moses was upset about it. God was represented as being reluctant to give them water. Psalm 106, 32 and 33 tells us about him giving water. His goodness. And so Moses was saying, You know, God really doesn't want to give, but, you know, I'm going to step in. (laughs) Well, God's not reluctant to give to you and myself the most necessary things of life. You recall the parable in the Gospels of that woman who was being afflicted by her enemies and she went to the unjust judge and she kept bugging him. And finally he said, Oh, man, I get this woman off my back. Let's avenge her enemies. And so people teach that parable saying, see, you've got to be importune. You've got to keep bugging God. And you, know, and you keep persistent in prayer, and God will give it to you. Well, if you teach that parable that way, you're, you're in deep, deep trouble. And let me tell you, that's the way most people teach it. If you take that interpretation, then you must make the wicked judge to equal God, who is so reluctant to give you the most necessary and basic things that you've got to bug him. Get on his back. Get on his back, and you can get anything. Oh, what a violence to the Scriptures. And that's the way it's taught most of the time. You must put that parable back in the context of the previous chapter, where Jesus is speaking to His disciples about all the violence, all that's going to happen at the end of the age, and He says, And will the elect or those of God believe that God will avenge His elect at the end? Will there be faith upon the earth? And the parable clears it up. No matter how bad things get, God is not like men who judge impartiality out of pressure. God will avenge his elect. Hey, nobody gets away with anything. You have faith in God. There's the interpretation in the context. And so God is not one reluctant. He was telling these people, God is reluctant, but I'll step in for you. Oh, no, no, no. You can go to God. God knows your needs, and he will give you your basic needs. Not your wants, your needs. Okay? You go to Him. The very example of prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy be Thy name, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is given. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. It's right there. He's so good. And so God proclaims the consequences of their disobedience. Mark that. Who are these guys? Moses and Aaron. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. There's the consequences. Miriam has just died. Aaron will die in a couple of chapters up. And Moses will die at the end. They never entered the promised land. God proclaimed the event as a lesson that God must be hallowed by obedience Verse 13. This was the water of Meribah because the children of Israel contended with the Lord and he was hollowed among them. Did you pick that up? He was hollowed among them. But previously it says that Moses didn't hollow him before the Lord. How was it that God was hollowed? The word hollow means sanctified, set apart, glorified, honored. First, The waters were memorialized as a place of contention with the Lord. It was an object lesson for the children of Israel. Once again. But secondly, the Lord was hollowed among them by His righteous justice without respect of person. God made Moses responsible. God exposed the disobedience of Moses to the people. Nor respect to person. As I said, the word hollow means to be sanctified, consecrated, honored. God glorified Himself. Remember that. When you don't give God glory, God will take your sin, and as He deals with you, He will glorify Himself. One way or another. Now the prophetic type was really destroyed by Moses, the tribe that God was trying to build. The scriptures are clear as to who the rock is in Scripture. Deuteronomy 32, you find about three, four, five, seven, eight times. The God, our God, is the rock. Through the scriptures, God is the rock, strong, stable. The rock, not just one of many, but the rock. The Lord Jesus said He was a rock on which He would build His church. Matthew sixteen, sixteen through eighteen says, "Upon this rock I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." That was according to the confession of Peter, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." What was the rock? The very statement, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God, the Messiah." Upon this truth I will build My church. So Jesus directly said and indirectly, "I am the rock." So the Old Testament says that God is the rock. Jesus said, I am the rock. And the church will be built upon him, the rock. But thirdly, the Lord told Moses to strike the rock of Horeb once before, and the people received water in Exodus 17.6. You remember that? Moses had already struck the rock one time in Exodus 17.6. Years before. And he gave them to drink. Now the Lord told Moses to speak to the rock, and it would give them water to drink. He did not tell them to strike the rock. Why? Because the New Testament tells us that they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. 1 Corinthians 10:4. This is the passage that he's talking about. That rock was Christ. He had already been smitten once in Exodus chapter 17, verse six. The rock representing Jesus Christ who gave them drink had already been smitten once at Horeb, therefore he did not need to be struck against, let alone twice, for he was to be offered once and for all for the forgiveness of sins. What a beautiful type! So once Christ has been smitten, which he has, all you have to do is speak to the rock. And for the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. You speak to the rock in repentance for forgiveness. You don't have to strike him. He doesn't have to be crucified again. It is already done. All you need to do is speak to the rock, Jesus Christ. And if your repentance is genuine and sincere, then you shall be forgiven, and your thirst shall be quenched by faith. And you find that in Romans 10, 9, confession and believe in your heart. The man Moses disregarded God's finished work to quench the spiritual thirst of the people and communicated God in a bad light. Self-glory and the need of self-effort and work to merit God's benefit. And yet, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, the wrath of God abides on those who do not know God, but God is not mad. God is love, the Bible declares. But if you reject His love, then His wrath falls upon you. But God is not mad. (laughs) You understand? There's a difference. Some individuals, as well as ministers, they add to the finished work of Christ by personal efforts and works. And Moses was given this representation like that. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says that in Him, you're complete. In Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It is the finished work of Jesus Christ. You are saved by grace through faith, not, not of yourself as a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You are God's workmanship, His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which were created before the foundation of the world, that you might walk in them. Ephesians 2, 10. It's very simple. And yet some individuals as well as ministers point to themselves as a source of God's blessing. What must I do, labor all night to feed you? You know, as I got up this morning at 3 in the morning and I was talking to the Lord, oh, be careful. Paul says, what do you have that you have not received? And if you have received it, why in the world are you boasting? <laughs> Heavy, isn't it? <laughs> it's all the Lord's goodness, man. The misrepresentation of God by Moses is a reminder to each of us that we are to. Represent God in an honorable way through obedience. Nothing but obedience. What a lesson. God has no respect of person. He holds every person responsible and accountable to their sin that he might receive glory and honor. There is no exception. The murmuring of the people with Moses had a legitimate ground. Nothing wrong with it. The message of the Lord was clear, simple. All it needed was obedience. The misrepresentation of God by Moses was costly. Yes, even Moses did not enter in. A object lesson that God wanted them to never, ever forget. And neither should we.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and a simple truth study of obedience illustrated with Moses from Numbers chapter 20. And just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's study, simply titled The Sins of Moses, are available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply The Sins of Moses, or just mention today's date.